Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. This is always that grind week, six straight days. You don't have a, a game at the end of it, so we, we just got to keep pushing. And this is a week where you got to get some conditioning in and make sure you're ready when you start those preseason games next week. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Burns and Gambo. Straight up to his law. On this Friday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. We are live from the Auction Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Sombering type music to for a Friday. Well, it's, it's it's the Top Gun theme, you know. It's the it's, it's oh, okay. Right. You, you've not seen Top Gun. I have Africa. not. Ooh, I have not. Boy, I've not seen it. Pretty good. I've seen it twice. Already, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's it's the Top Gun theme. It uh, resonates, and it's you know it's a day of celebration because uh, a lunch bet was paid off today. It was even almost. though almost yeah. almost yeah. Chick Fil A forgot to put Mitch's sandwich in the bag, <laughs> so Bernsey comes in, and I'm like, "Is it on the? Is it on? Yeah, it's on the order. I paid for it. Here it is." And they forgot the sandwich. Yeah, it's hard to get good help these days. It really is. It is hard to get. It good really help is. These and days. I'm a big fan of Chick Fil A. You know, it happens. I get it. Big fan of Chick Fil A. It was what Eric wanted. We don't blame you. We don't blame you. Know? Yes. But I, I started pulling stuff out of the bag, and I'm like, they forgot the sandwich. Oh, Mitch, your spicy chicken sandwich. It's, yeah. not, it's not in there. You get nothing. Fortunately, no lunch. Fortunately, Eric, um, because he won the bet and has the appetite of a 23-year-old man, ordered two sandwiches, so he just gave one of his two to Mitch. It's forward the candy out of a vending burns. machine for lunch today. <laughs> you want a Snickers, Mitch? Uh, sorry, There's Pop-Tarts in there. What do you want? Pop-Tarts. Some chips. Look, it's clear I'm not me when I'm hungry. Mm, Clearly, yeah. Just make sure you push the buttons where they're supposed to be. And, yeah, there'll be a form of complaints coming very soon. I don't know. know. This happens a lot everywhere. Like, it's like you just, it's hard to get good help these days. (laughs) I mean, I I can't tell you many times we've, like, come home with an order and it's like, it's not right or something's missing. I should have looked. I should have looked. I should have looked. Oh, they forgot your Chick-fil-A sandwich. At least Eric got his bet taken care of. And if you forgot, the bet was for what day Kyle was going to sign his contract on. A million things have happened since Honestly, then. Honestly, if you look back on that, it seems so quaint that we decided to bet on when Kyler Murray was going to get his contract. The little stinker ordered two sandwiches? <laughs> not just one meal? Yeah, but they were two cheap sandwiches. Okay. They, they weren't... Uh, it's fine. Not you the know? full meal, not a drink, you know? Just and two sandwiches. It's, for, it's forward thinking because yeah. I figured, what if they forget Mitch's sandwich? <laughs> I was going to say, Gamble, you got to look at this with hindsight now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. plus he's a, he's a starving-ish kind of student around here. That's okay. Yeah. We, can, okay. we can get him a second. I only eat when we pay off lunch bets, so I got to cash in. Let's weigh in on our top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. As expected today, and we were expecting there would be some sort of an acknowledgement of this, James Saxon, the running backs coach for the Arizona Cardinals, was put on leave today as announced by Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, he's been placed on administrative leave. I know um, we just released a statement on it, and 
that's really what I have on it at this time. Statement reads as such, quote, we are aware of the incident and notified the NFL as required. The matter is currently under review pursuant to league policies. After consultation with the league office, James has been placed on paid administrative league. leave. I should say we will have no further comment pending additional proceedings. Okay, this is Close the right quote. thing to do. Place him on administrative leave. This is what I said yesterday. Put him on administrative leave until this thing gets worked worked out. Okay, either he did it or he didn't. If he did it, he's fired immediately. Um, if he didn't do it, okay. You have your, your your day in court. You have your uh, you know ability to, to to defend yourself in in this in our, our judicial system. Mm-hmm. So you let this play out. You let the court take you know take it as far as they can until you get uh, an outcome here. But he should not be working for the Arizona court. The question I have, and I just don't have the answer to this. I tend to believe that there's no way the Cardinals knew about this because why would they today they suspended him because they know about it but I'm kind of conflicted with what Cliff said because we're aware of it were you aware of it just yesterday or were you aware of it you know when it happened because this this incident happened in May May 7th was when it happened um, he was charged on May 25th in Indianapolis um, here's the the question to Cliff and this includes the question so we present it in context did you know about Saxon's arrest prior to yesterday we knew when it happened. Okay, I mean, I'm shocked. I am utterly shocked. We knew when it happened. Listen, the Cardinals are very good about telling all their employees. Something happens, you call your immediate supervisor or you call um, you call security, Cardinal security. Like, you, you have two options here, okay? They tell everybody that works there. Something happens to you. You call your immediate supervisor and let them know, or you call Cardinal Security and you let them know. That you can't, like, we don't want to be blindsided. Let us know immediately if something happens to you so that way we're not blindsided by this. I am really somewhat in shock that if he told you about it and you did a little bit of investigation that he was working with the Cardinals. Because why would you place him on administrative leave now, but not place him on administrative leave when you found out about it? I, I just can't, I, I can't, unless you didn't know, and that's what my belief was, that they just didn't know, he didn't tell them. Yeah, and and I had assumed um, that they didn't know until yesterday. I had assumed that they were not aware, which I, I guess now in retrospect is a little naive. They are an NFL franchise. They have, I mean, the league obviously has its own security department. Each team has its own security department each team has you know in essence like a security officer so it would stand to reason that at somehow at some point they would have known and, and like you I'm I'm very, I'm confused I'm like I, okay all of this kind of falls in line with what I expected the story came out yesterday obviously it's part of a pattern of the off season that has made us all very uncomfortable with everything that has happened to this organization uh, all off season long but then today it was a curveball to we knew about it when it happened and I'll just play the soundbite again because it, it, it confuses me. We knew when it happened. Okay, we knew when okay, it happened. Because, he, because it says, we're aware of the incident. We notified the NFL is required. Okay, notified the NFL. The matter is currently under review pursuant to league policies. After consultation with the league, he was placed on paid administrative leave. Wouldn't that have happened when you wouldn't if, if you knew when it happened, wouldn't you have contacted the NFL as required? Let them know and then put them on administrative leave right then. Yeah, I just I'm very, very, very confused 
clarify that because I think what makes a lot of sense to me is that he didn't tell the Cardinals. It happened in Indianapolis. It happened in May. It would make sense to me that he didn't tell anybody and then just, you know, tried to see if maybe she would drop the charges. Maybe she'll drop the charges or like maybe he was just going to wait it out and see if they wouldn't find out about it. But if he actually told them when it happened, I'm almost shocked that he wasn't put on administrative because you would contact the NFL. You would say, we've got a guy that's being charged with domestic violence. And the NFL would say, "Okay, we'll consult with you and let's put him on administrative leave. That should have happened when the Cardinals were aware of it. And I'm just I am still Uh, um, still, I am still at a loss for when they knew about it. I don't know if Cliff misspoke, because to me, it does not make sense that they knew about it when it happened. And then he was able to take the field and coach these players and leave men, which he's obviously not a man himself because he raised his hand to a woman, knocked her into a garage, is what uh, is what Allegedly. is alleged. Yeah, That's right. what's alleged. I'm say that. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that they let him take the field. Yeah, I, everything you said. I mean, I, honestly, everything you said. I, I'm, I'm dealing with exactly the same sort of... I, I, I yeah. just don't understand it. Now, Cliff was asked a follow-up question, and, and obviously, if you're really looking at the bigger picture here, all of the distractions this organization is dealing with now, how they're dealing with it. You look to the leaders in this locker room. You never want to have distractions when you're trying to build a team and build um, camaraderie and, and, you know, be the best version of yourselves, but we've definitely had that. Uh, luckily, we have some great leaders and um, guys who can compartmentalize things and continue to work to get better, but um, you'd like the focus to be on football moving forward, and hopefully that's the case. How is he handling it as the coach? Like I said, as a head football coach, you want the focus to be on football, and you don't want the distractions for your team. Um, it's early in camp. I'm hoping we can get back to really focusing on football and trying to become the best team we can be. And um, It's never something you want to stand up here and answer every day, it seems like, but that's how it's played out. And moving forward, we got to be better as an you know, organization um, handling our business. There's no question. Yes, please. Yeah. Like, uh, yes, please. Please be better at handling your business. So I, I almost please. like uh, instinctively, accidentally kind of chuckled when he said, you know, it seems like I'm up here every day doing this. And you it, are. It, it does. It, it feels like you are. For the last two weeks, you've been up there every single day having to address something. A homework clause, no homework clause. Uh, well, wide receiver going 126 miles per hour. A running back coach who got charged with domestic violence a couple of months ago. It, yeah, it does seem like every single day for the last two weeks, it's been everything but football. I think for they the just locked everybody in their rooms and said you can't leave. <laughs> Maybe. Don't leave. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, DeAndre Ayton is guaranteed to be a member of the Phoenix Suns until January 15th. Nothing can change that. Once January 15th passes, can he still be a part of a Kevin Durant trade? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. For being honest, this conversation, it's about Kevin Durant, but it's just as much about DeAndre Ayton, really, in a way. It's uh, a story from BleacherReport.com that we were going to talk about yesterday. We just kind of ran out of time with everything that went down. And... 
It's a story that's ranking every realistic Kevin Durant trade centerpiece. And it was a story that listed, okay, here's the best that every team could do. Here's the centerpiece that every team could offer in a trade for Kevin Durant. Now, the one thing I'm going to mention, I'm going to have you actually mention it because you're the one who, the day Kevin Durant's trade request broke, you're the one who had this information. And it was a game changer. I mean, it changed the whole way we thought about Kevin Durant. The Nets... As of the last time we checked, have no interest in DeAndre Ayton, right? And right. and you reported that the day the story the broke that broke. Kevin Durant wanted to be traded and he wanted to go to the Suns. And that was June 30th. June that 30th. was almost a month and a half ago now. The Nets, in that moment, were not interested in DeAndre Ayton. And that was a huge monkey wrench in all of this, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it, it got blown up. Hoop Central, um, you, know, you know, quoted my report that I have two sources telling me the Nets are not interested in DeAndre Ayton. Um, NBA Central did a story. The Nets are not interested in Aiton per me. And it just really blew at that time. You know, and now a lot of time went by and eventually, you know, Indiana gave a max offer sheet to DeAndre Aiton and the Suns immediately matched that offer sheet. But the Nets were never interested in DeAndre Aiton. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know why. I would have like that part doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I have no answer for that. DeAndre Ayton is a terrific young center in this league at 24 years old. Like, a, you know, you don't want, you wouldn't want that piece back. Are you going to give him a 34 year old Durant for a 24 year old Ayton? Like, to me, I don't understand why they didn't want him. I just know that they didn't want him. But this story on the best pieces, re- ranking every realistic Kevin Durant trade centerpiece, says that the best piece that the Suns can give up for Kevin Durant is still DeAndre Ayton. But they say at least until January 15th, the Suns may be out of the sweepstake, but it doesn't mean we should shut the door on the possibility forever. Um, And it says when his trade request was first reported, Phoenix was listed as one of the preferred destinations. But I don't know if the the Nets didn't want DeAndre Ayton this summer, what's going to make them want him on January 15th? And that's exactly where you go with a story like this. That's exactly where I went with a story like this, because I read it and I immediately thought, okay, they didn't want him then. What would have to change for them to want him on January 15th? And then at that point, if DeAndre Ayton has done enough to make the Nets want him on January 15th, would the Suns want to get rid of him? Yeah, DeAndre Ayton averages a triple-double. Oh, I want him. Okay, so we're not giving him up to now. Like, yeah, I, I, like, and that's, and that's, that's the thing, right? That's if kind he, of the arc of this, yeah. If he does something good enough to make the Nets want him, it's probably going to make the Suns not want to get rid of him. Potentially. Potentially. DeAndre Ayton comes out like on, on fire and he dominates six months of, for the first three months of basketball in the NBA. Just dominates the league. November, December, January, it's dominant. And the Nets say, you know what? On second down, we'll take the guy. Mm-hmm. We'll take him. The Suns at that point, like, no, you know what? I think we're good. Would they, though? Because it's Kevin Durant. Because it's 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 still Kevin Durant, and that and that's where I pause a little bit on the runaway train of my imagination. I think, I, they, I think they would keep him. And, if he's playing really really well. I mean, I don't know because it's Kevin Durant. It's Kevin's thinking Durant, and and I, I I don't know what would happen. Now we're really going down the hypothetical path here. At that moment, I don't know what the Suns would do if DeAndre Eaton is playing well enough that the Nets would go, you know, on second thought, I know what we told you back in July. Change your mind. We want him now. Eh? Would the Suns say you can't have him? Or would the Suns say, okay, Kevin Durant, come on down. Because then you find out if you have something that you don't think is that valuable. And I think the Suns, there was a point where they just didn't think DeAndre was that valuable. And then you find out, oh, you know what? It's actually really valuable. Yeah, I like I think you hold on to it. 
don't know. A Mickey Mantle baseball card you put in your spokes when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I... I but it, it's, I mean, Kevin Durant is, we're talking six months from now. Infinite. And I know, and, and that's six, what's going to happen is five months, right? What, August, September, October, November, December, five and a half months from now. Yeah, it's basically three months of basketball. Right. It's half of October, all of November, all of December, half why, of January. Why not? It's about, why not? Do you, are you afraid point. of disrupting your team? Yes. That would be one thing. Of like changing everything, like midstream? That would be one thing, yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be if if we were painting a picture as to why I wouldn't want to do it. I, I mean, in my mind, I still want Kevin Durant because he's Kevin Durant. Um, but if we're if you're if I'm coming up with a list of reasons why I wouldn't want to do it, other than man, Aiton's playing great, and I kind of have him on a nice contract moving forward. It would be wondering if you could disrupt your team to that level halfway through the season and still win a championship. Like you, you think about it, you'd have to dramatically reinvent your team halfway through. I mean, dramatically reinvent yeah, it. But you, no training camp, right? No camp. No, no, camp, no, no ramp up. You'd basically be using the next month or two of the regular season to get yourself ready for the postseason yes. to learn how to play with each other. Are you just better off in the name of continuity, sticking with what you've got? And look, none of this might happen if the Nets weren't interested in eight. And in July, it stands to reason they won't be interested in him in January. And it, and it seems almost disrespectful to talk about like this with DeAndre Ayton because he just signed a $133 million contract. He's supposed to be a part of the core moving forward for the Suns. I, I, I really didn't want to fall into the trap of signing him and then thinking about trading him six months later. That just didn't seem fair or right. But at the same time, if there's something he can do to bring, to make the Nets go, ooh, we changed our mind. We want him. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think if it's a basketball compared to four years of playing. You had all. You got all. Like, is, can he real? Like, and that's the thing that I would. You know me. I'm a big believer in this. Like, when we get to trades, so you really need like a, like this guy's been playing baseball for five years. Do you really need to see what he's going to do in this oh. one start to determine whether you want him or not? Would you? Okay, let me ask. I'll, I'll follow up that with a question. Would you acknowledge that there was a different level of basketball that Aiton played in the playoffs a year ago compared to what we typically see out of DeAndre Aiton? Different level of basketball that they all played okay. a year ago. Well, okay, so uh, that, everybody. Yeah. He, if he plays at that level consistently for three months to start the season, I would submit that that is a higher level of basketball than we've typically seen out of DeAndre Ayton in the first four years that he's been here. And if he can hold that level of basketball for three months, that might be the thing that makes the Nets go, mm, you know what, on second thought, yeah, we want him. Now, Kenny, I don't know, because I, I think he reached a higher plateau. Have we seen a schedule yet? No, it hasn't come out yet. We don't yet. have a schedule. It hasn't come out yet. I think it comes out sometime so in the next I'm, couple okay, of weeks. So I'm just thinking by the time you get there, by the time you get to January fifteenth. You've played five games in October. Um, let me just let me just get to January fifteenth. This this past, so you will have paid forty two. Well, this year they played forty two games. You're halfway. They, 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 they started the games. season on time this year. You're almost exactly halfway okay. through the season. So you're about halfway through the season. What if the Phoenix Suns are thirty three and nine again, halfway through the season? <laughs> you're thirty three and nine. It's a, it's a good question. Hey, we're gonna trade. DeAndre Ayton for Kevin Durant, but you're 33 and nine. Mm-hmm. You have the best record in the NBA. He's playing great. The team's playing great. 
I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't. I, it's a, it's the a, Nets didn't want him. The, the Nets didn't want him a couple weeks ago, and all of a sudden in January they're going to want him. I'm not. I don't know if I'm buying it. Fascinating hypothetical. We are overdue for a visit from Diamondbacks manager Troy Lavello. His team looks a little different following the trade deadline. Our exclusive conversation with the D-back skipper is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we've got Eric here with our Twitter poll question of the day. As soon as Tori calls in, we'll get Tori on the air. Scheduled to have Tori Lavello on today. Tuesday was the trade deadline. Didn't make any sense for us to have him on then. But while he'll be calling in in moments, we do have time to sneak in our Twitter poll question of the day. Eric, what do you got for us? All right, well, as we all know, it's been a less than ideal offseason for the Cardinals. Do you feel like this distraction-filled summer will actually impact their play on the field? Simple yes or no? No. No, I don't. I'm surprised you went with no. Are you? Yeah, no. Because I- you were big on the distraction with the A. Um, would it be a distraction, the contract? I think you're more of a, the belief of they, they're more dist- I don't think there is, but I'm surprised you said no. Sir. Yeah, I don't think this one will. Uh, when we have more time, I'll explain why, but I, I think the answer is no. Right now, it's an overwhelming majority for yes. 64.6% say yes, 35.4% say no. Okay, you can vote on that uh, that poll question on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page, one word, at Burns and Gambo. Your exclusive home of the D-backs. Diamondbacks. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. D-backs manager Tori Lovello joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-backs baseball. Normally we talk to Tori every Tuesday at 2.30. That was the trade deadline. They had a day game. It just didn't make any sense. So our thanks to the Diamondbacks. And thank you, Tori, for your flexibility in moving it to today. It just made a lot more sense. How you doing? Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. That's what we do. No worries. Glad we can connect today. Sorry, we first want to give our condolences to the to, to Mike and his family and the entire organization that that is going through this really difficult time. I I talk to Mike on a pretty regular basis, and I have a lot of respect for for him. And we know he took the leave last year to be with Nicole, but uh, you know, to lose her now, um, I know you know it was almost inevitable, and they they knew it was going to happen. But it still it still sucks for him and the boys to have to go through this and we talked about it yesterday so our thoughts are really with the entire organization and Mike's family during these difficult times we just want to make you you know make you know that we we, we do care and we, we we worry for that family I appreciate that um, yeah we always appreciate the love from you guys you guys are the best and um, for you to you know open up the segment with 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 that means a lot to me personally obviously we go back a long way um, it's it's painful it's a painful situation um, we her health has been declining for many many years we were aware of that but she fought harder than than anybody um, could have imagined and you know unfortunately lost her battle yesterday um, you know I hate saying this because it's kind of like the easiest thing to say she's in a better place but it is so true so um, yeah I feel the same way uh, Gambo um, she's in our hearts we love her and uh, we'll, we'll just keep moving on even though these are very tough days right now alright appreciate that Tori thanks you know, thanks for that uh, let, let, let's talk baseball trade deadline is coming gone two players let's start with David Peralta um, you know it, it was a tough spot that you guys were in because if David was on this roster being a veteran player that's meant a lot to the organization 
organization, being a guy that's playing for a contract, you really had no mm. choice but to play him five days a week, not DH him, you know, training mm. him, give him a chance to go to a contender. I would imagine for you, it does free up the opportunity to, to play McCarthy now, maybe to call up Corbin Carroll. Just give me your thoughts on the Peralta mm. trade. Yeah, I think you're hitting it pretty close. Uh, you know, David is a fixture here in, in this town. He's a great player for the D-backs. He did a lot of wonderful things, and it's it's hard to say, hey, look, we're moving you to another organization, but for the things that he was needing from his career and where he was going, getting traded to a contender, getting a lot of exposure on a different level, is going to obviously help him at the end of this free agent year. And on the backside of that, uh, what's more important to us, and that's where we had to be a little bit selfish, uh, is saying it will open up a spot for Jake McCarthy to play more often, a, a young up-and-coming player. Corbin Carroll, everybody knows his name inside of our system, so I think it was, it, there were two reasons. To help David get to a, an area and a space in his career where he could potentially play in a playoff game and meaningful games, and that was a silver lining for me when I sat him down. I told him it's just with a heavy heart, but the one thing that's getting me through this is a good time for you. And now we're getting a chance here in Arizona to watch some young players go out and shine, and that, that's also very exciting for this entire organization. I, and let's talk about Luke Weaver. Gets a chance to go to Kansas City. Um, I think he's got a year of control left. Why was he never able to get back to the level of success that he had, you know, in St. Louis, especially in 2017, he was really good. What happened to him where he was just never able to duplicate that early success he had? Uh, that's a good question. Um, the, the one thing that I think we was very inconsistent was was a velo. The ball comes out hot. There's a lot of octane uh, in that right arm, and you know when he when he was sitting at 95 and above, uh, he was a totally different pitcher. And I think injuries played a major part in his ability to go out there and compete as a starting pitcher at the level that he needed to. You know, we saw the velocity dip in, into the 90s, low 90s, 90, 91, uh, and he was out there trying to compete when we felt like he wasn't 100% healthy. He came you know, injured, unfortunately, and as he came back, it was just a slow process for him to get back into that rhythm. What we did see towards the end of uh, his time here in Arizona was out of the bullpen, he was able to let it eat and let it go out, or go out there and, and would sit in that 95, 96, 97 mile an hour range. So I think his, his career for us was seen as a reliever. Um, I think we needed a little bit of a little bit of depth infield right-handed hitting depth. Uh, and I think it's a good trade for both teams. But you know, the one thing I can give you, Gambo, is that he was injured. He was just banged up and never healthy enough as a starting pitcher to get anything in a very consistent form to where he'd go out and compete at that high level. We saw that in '19 when he first got traded over here. He was the best pitcher for the first month and a half, but he ended up getting hurt. And I don't think he's been healthy ever since then. Troy Lavello, manager of the Diamondbacks, our guest here on Burns and Gambo. They're taking on the Colorado Rockies back home at Chase field tonight. I was in the car uh, yesterday morning and I was listening to Derek Hall and he was talking about the deadline and he expressed a little bit of surprise that there wasn't a little bit more done at the deadline. Were you anticipating more or did you figure it was going to be as kind of relatively quiet as it was for you guys with only the two moves? Uh, you know, I think Mike and, and company were having discussions with a lot of different teams for a lot of different uh, in a lot of different areas. Uh, and I, you know, we weren't willing to sell off the players that we wanted to uh, continue to develop, give us give them a chance to come out here and show us what they can do. And I think it spoke volumes about what they think of the guys that we have here still. So I know Mike is always looking to make our team better. Period. No matter who it is, when it is, it doesn't need to be just a trade deadline. And I feel like if there were offers, if there were things, it just wasn't going 
going to make us a better team today and down down and uh, in the future. And you know, we've done a good job of compiling really good talent inside of this organization. So, what it means is and spells it out very clearly: the guys that are here are the guys that we want, and the guys that we're going to go out and compete with every single night. Tori, I know we've asked you this question a couple of times so far this year. We feel compelled to ask it again. I want to ask you about Mark Melanson, if I could, because before the deadline and before the day off yesterday, there were more struggles out of your closer. Mm-hmm. Are you you sticking with him? Has anything changed in your bullpen? Is all status quo down there? No, we're going to um, consistent or continue to get better to, to strive for consistency. That's the main thing. So, however it lines up, whatever um, discussions we need to have, I will have, and we'll just keep plowing forward. I'm very well aware of what's going on with Mark Melanson. We got to win baseball games, and it's my job to kind of stay ahead of it, have discussions with the people around me to say, "Hey, look, these are some of the adjustments that we need to make." So, uh, haven't quite gotten there yet, but obviously, know how important it is for us to win baseball games. We got to we got to find a way to get those outs late. In the game. Leverage or no leverage situations, it just doesn't matter. When you come out of the bullpen, you got to get outs. And if you're not, we got to make some sort of an adjustment. And it's always on, on the table, but nothing has been imminent. Nothing has been decided, uh, and nothing is imminent. But we'll, we'll figure that out here in the coming days. All right, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. You've got a 2-1 lead in the ninth <laughs> inning tonight. Who gets the ball? Ian Kennedy and Mark Melanson. You had an off day yesterday. No, don't laugh. I mean, I... Oh, I'm I, laughing. I, I, I was going to let no, him off that easily, laughing. but you're not. Tori's yeah. laughing. No, I mean, I, I'm not... 2-1 lead, ninth inning tonight. Is it Ian Kennedy or Mark Melanson in the ninth inning. You don't have to give me for the rest of the season, but for tonight, who would close the game? <laughs> John John Gambadoro got the ball in the ninth. You know, I I don't know exactly what's going to happen right now. Like I said, stop. I, you I've know, I've got to. I've got to have some discussions. The players are just trickling in right now. So usually I sit down with the guys, have some discussions. We talk about things and just outline the next several days. So I got to want to sit down and talk to my staff, get their feedback, and make the best decision moving forward. So you, right now, unknown. You, Mr. I work backwards on, on all the games. I know you. You work backwards. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, that ninth inning is a huge inning, right? But there are big innings that lead into the ninth inning. So um, I do work it backwards. I say, this this is our ninth inning guy. How am I going to build it in before that, and the seventh and eighth inning are just important as the ninth. So yeah, I do want to work it backwards. But like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down with the staff today. We're gonna have our discussions, our normal discussions. This will definitely be a topic. All right, Ian Kennedy did give you a a really good ninth mm-hmm. inning when you had a three run lead against Cleveland. Is he under consideration mm-hmm. right now to be the closer? Yes, he is. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair. Just, just, just wanted to see, wanted to see how that that was going. All right, let, let's yeah. let, let's let's talk about your 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 new third baseman that you got it. You got in this trade with with Kansas City. What what type of opportunities do you think he'll get going forward? You know, for the rest of the season. Um, he's gonna he's gonna play third base against um, left handed pitching. You know, I think we were a little light with some of our right handed hitters uh, earlier in the season. The front office has done a great job of, of addressing that, and and it started with Buddy Kennedy coming in and helping us win some baseball games. So yeah, he's gonna get those looks at third base. Um, he's a good hitter, period. But I think the strength is that he can he can go out and, and really smash left handed pitching. We'll start there, and I just want to get a good look at him and just fill it in from that point. Uh, we feel like we got a really good young player. Uh, you know, so far so good. I love the bat speed. I love the ability to make plays defensively. He's moving laterally um, very well. And those, you know, it's times that you just are trusting a scouting report or the eyes of people that you know inside of the game that have seen him that are giving you their opinion. Now it's time for him to go out and perform. So we got to read and react, and we'll just keep moving forward with him every single day. Tori, we appreciate the time. Best of luck tonight. We'll talk next week, okay? 
Okay, boys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Troy Lavelle, manager of the Diamondbacks, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. D-backs and the Rockies coming up tonight. Ian Kennedy's going to be your closer. <laughs> At 640. Uh, based off of how that conversation went there in the last 60 seconds of it, I somehow think you might be right when it's all said and done. That I might be where it's going. Of course you've made up your mind. His mind. He hasn't had a tell chance. Tell me. Just, well, tell us. He might want to tell them before he oh, tells you. I think you. that's what that it is. might be it's, the strategy there. Tell them before before he tells us that, here on the that's radio. That's my guess. Melanson's losing his job. He just hasn't told him yet. That's my guess. We'll, we'll see. see. When we come back, we've talked about it a little bit. If ASU and U of A, are they a package deal if there's some kind of realignment? Because we've got at least one suggestion in front of us that maybe they're not. We'll talk about it. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. On the realignment front, if you want to go with what is, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, the news today when it comes to the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Big 12, realignment, things like that. I'll tell you right now that uh, Gambo sent me a story today from SportsIllustrated.com um, suggesting that the Big Ten is content to press pause on expansion for the time being. Its interest in Oregon and Washington has cooled, according to a report from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. If that is indeed the case, that's good news for the stability of the Pac-12. Because those two teams obviously sure. leaving destabilized the whole thing. Those two teams staying, at least for the next round of the TV contracts, means that the Pac-12 is... If not as strong as they were before, still strong enough that they can probably survive if they know Oregon and Washington aren't going anywhere, if this report is to be believed. Yeah, it says the Big Ten's no longer interested in adding Cal, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington. It says rights holders were balking at paying the same amount for those schools as the 16 Big Ten schools going forward, 80 to $100 million. You know, you throw those four schools in, you're paying anywhere between 320 and $400 million more to have them. They did add USC and UCLA just in time but you know, before the new deal gets done. There is a Notre Dame factor in there as well that will obviously this, if anybody can get Notre Dame that changes everything. But it did say you know, the Big Ten is definitely putting it on pause at this time right now and that's probably good news for George Klyovkov to just you know, have at least that, not have to worry so much about Oregon and Washington if this story is true. Yeah, is it permanent? I, probably not, but is it permanent Permanent enough that you can move forward for now? Because I would suspect what would happen is if the Big Ten, because like we talked about yesterday, you don't have to worry about the Big 12 when it comes to Oregon and Washington. That's not the threat here. The threat is the Big Ten. And if the Big Ten has decided to sit this one out and that they're good, and, and I think there's some logic behind that for the reason that you just said. I had often wondered, is it worth their network partners to add Oregon for another $80 million, to add Washington for another $80 million a year? Like, do those schools bring that kind of value to the to the party in all of this, and it kind of makes sense that they don't. So I think if you're the Pac-12, as long as the story is to be believed, you can count on relative conference stability for at least the next five or six years, depending on you know when the next contracts are done up and things like that. Now, the other thing that kind of caught our eye was a series of tweets from John Wilner, the Pac-12 insider from the San Jose Mercury News. We've had him on many, many times, and it's a text thread that I sent you, and he, he's talking about U of A and how they make sense for the Big 12. 
And one of the tweets he had that he put out there today, um, he wrote, the bear down calculation is different. They're a basketball first school with little football value in a small market college town. In some respects, they're more Big 12 than Pac-12. That said, the Wildcats would need a partner, whether it's ASU, Colorado, Utah, or even somebody like Memphis to go into the Big 12 on their own. And then he went on, and he's just speculating now. He, he No inside information, he's just speculating. But if U of A, he says, had an offer and a partner, that would be a heck of a decision for them to make, because they'd all have to think about the fit academically, the Olympic sports, they've got this huge alumni base in Southern California that they'd basically be moving away from. And then he went on to conclude that in some ways, he thinks the Pac-12 might be better off with a one-for-one swap. Arizona going to the Big 12, San Diego State coming into the Pac-12. I mean, Arizona's a basketball school. The Big 12 is a good basketball conference. I mean, last year they had six teams in the NCAA tournament, and one team win the whole thing. They had Baylor got in, Iowa State got in, Kansas, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. They had a lot of success. Six Big 12 teams made the tournament. You throw Arizona in there, and it's a juggernaut. I mean, it's a really, really strong basketball conference led by the U of A in Kansas. So that could be really appealing. But the problem that I would see at that is it's just not there's just not enough revenue generated. Yeah, okay, we're a stronger basketball conference, but what about revenue? Are like, you making that much more money by going to the Big Twelve than you and, would and in the And it's Pac-12? not the Phoenix market. It's the Tucson market. Right. So it's not the Phoenix television market that you would get. You know, especially for football. I, I don't know. I mean it is it is it's interesting to think about. They've never thought about that. And we've you know, we we've discussed this before the show. Like could it U of A and A you break apart from each other. I know when I was on vacation, you had a discussion about that. I, I mean, sure, why not? I mean, why not? That was basically the conclusion yeah. we came to. Uh, you sure, can break apart if it's better for you. If it's whatever's better for you, do. If you have to break apart from ASU, it's you break apart. I mean, Oregon, there was talk they were going to break apart from Oregon State. Washington, going to break apart from Washington State. Had those come to fruition. UCLA, in essence, broke away from Cal. I know they're not rivals, but they're part of the same collegiate system in California. Uh, To be fair to John, because he's what I would consider to be a friend of the show. We have him on a lot. I want to make sure I don't take him out of context. He, He also tweeted, I don't think this is likely for a variety of reasons, but if Arizona had a Big 12 offer and a partner and was dead said on leaving, this is the cleanest end game for them to just, yeah. okay, go and we'll add somebody else and, and that's that. I don't think ASU and U of A have to do everything in lockstep I do, because they are dramatically different programs in a sense. They're dramatically different markets. Let's put it that way, right? Like, like, and I know I've attended all three schools. I've lived in all three, you know, I've lived in Tucson for a number of years. It's, it's Tucson's a far more traditional college town, right? Where there's not really anything else going on. University of Arizona athletics dominate the landscape. It's one of the best basketball programs in the country. Great basketball program. And, and as far as college athletics go, yeah, they mildly follow what's happening to pro sports here in Phoenix, but not a lot. I mean, it's mostly a college town. Whereas Arizona State is obviously competing with all the professional sports. It's a big TV market, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're very different. Now, from a football standpoint, they're similar. I mean, they're, they're sometimes U of A has good years, and some years it's ASU, and sometimes neither of them have they good years. They both stink. They both are very mediocre. They both are very average to below average yeah, for the yeah. most part. But I mean, I'm sure a lot I, of people I, would miss the Territorial Cup. I'm sure that, oh, the, I'm sure that, they would. that fans would miss that. I'm sure you look sure forward they would. to it. 
but it never means anything. The Very game, rarely. The game never means anything. Very rarely. Hey, who's going to get to go to Hawaii for the last place bowl game? Like, it doesn't mean anything. So, I'm sure a lot of fans like it and enjoy it. And it's, the rivalry goes back a long time, the Territorial Cup. But again, I just, I don't know that it has much meaning because they're, they're both never, they're, what if they have both ever been good at the same time? Very rarely. I, I, I To be honest with you, it's so rare, I'd have to go back and look. I don't think it's ever happened. I'm sure it's happened once or twice. But yeah. Were they were both good? Were they were both top four, top three in a conference? It's. I don't want to say never because I don't know. I would think it's been very rare. I can jump in if you want. 2014 season was my freshman year. I remember the Territorial Cup decided who would win the Pac-12 South. That's probably the last time these two teams were competitive at the same time. So that was Todd Graham year? Yeah. And that Todd game, Graham and Rich Rod. That game decided who would win the Pac-12 South. See, I'd already because forgotten UCLA about that. lost that day as well. Well, we should remember we gave uh, Dunkin' Donuts and coffee out to the <laughs> we, kids out yeah, waiting to get did. in line. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, the Cardinals have plenty of money left to spend this offseason. And we're both encouraging them to spend it. But big name free agency a year from now? Should they wait for the big spend next offseason? That's coming up. Burns and Gambo.